Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Okay, so uh, my producer wants me to read some of the transactions for my bank account. As you can tell from my voice, I'm thrilled about it. Um, All right, let's dig in. So bank account one, we have $6 at Cold Stone Creamery. Which, to be fair, it's the Cold Stone in Burbank, and they have, like, a hot cookie thing. It's fine. I don't have to justify my hot cookie to you. Um, $14 at Busby's East, which is a bar, which I bought beers. It would have been more, actually, but I had a drink ticket for being on a show. So, it's really good when you get paid in drink tickets. (laughs) Um, Other bank account... Oh, see, this is how I don't have to look at what I actually spent on because I used PayPal. I bought something on PayPal for $52. I don't know what it was. I also, astute listeners of this show, will enjoy how I paid $2,000 into my $8,000 car loan. So now it should be down to like $6,000 car loan. So that's pretty good. Everyone should be proud of me. I don't know that I had $2,000 to do that with, but I I thought it's a good cause. Um, Yeah, this is a lot of PayPal transactions, which I guess is me trying to like hide things from myself. Um, So that's those are all my things. I will say probably I'm most embarrassed about the Cold Stone purchase. But I'll just file that under self-care. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Hi, I'm still Gabby Dunn and I am still, you got it, bad with money. Let's talk about Just Between Us, the YouTube show I do with Allison. Oh, you didn't know I have a YouTube show with my best friend, Allison? It's dope. You should probably subscribe to it immediately. Also, what did you just start with this episode? Go back and listen to the archives. Great. So now that you've listened to the archives and subscribed to this podcast, as well as Just Between Us, and watched all of our hilarious videos, how much would you like to pay us for the ownership rights to our unique blend of sincerity and cleverness? Oh, what's that? You want me to tell you how much I think it's worth? I mean, I think it's worth a lot. Probably. I don't know. If I could honestly give you, like, a number, maybe I... I People get paid big money for these things, so big money. The thing is, we're doing it for the love of the game. Like our work is just about the two of us celebrating our love for each other and our love for creating things. So how do you even put a price on that, you know? But also I've just put a price on it, big money. 
In the past year, Allison and I have had a lot of success. We've sold a couple TV shows you never heard about for various complicated reasons. We also have maybe a book coming out, depending on when this podcast airs. I'm incredibly excited about all of it. And I know that if I was listening to this podcast right now and I was still someone who hadn't done those things, I might hear myself expressing ambivalence about it and think, well, what the hell is Gabby's problem? But the thing is, I do have a problem. And it's not a lack of gratefulness for these opportunities. I'm incredibly grateful. I cry all the time about how grateful I am. It's that even if it all happens, the TV series gets picked up, the book comes out and gets turned into a movie where Anne Hathaway plays Allison, Allison and I get to build ourselves a pair of conjoined houses in Malibu where our kids can play in the backyard together, I'm still going to be me. And I'm still not going to know how to figure out where I end and the money begins. And that's why I wanted to talk to Molly MacLear. In 2011, Molly started the website Hello Giggles with Sophia Rivkarasi and Zoe Deschanel. And last year, Time Inc. bought it for something in the neighborhood of $20 million. I feel obligated to point out that as nice a year as Allison and I have had, no one has paid us $20 million for anything. Yet. Anyway, I wanted to know who Molly was before she became a millionaire and who she is now. Is she willing to become my money Sherpa? I mean, I already have Garrett, but let's be honest, I probably need at least two Sherpas. It's a very heavy load. Also, maybe a brain transplant. But just like a partial one where they take out the financially dumb brain cells. Or maybe like an extremely precise hypnotist. Oh boy. When I got hired on Two Broke Girls, I had $32. Like when my company sold to Time Inc. this year, I had... $12 $12 in cash and negative $7 in my bank account. Yeah. Like, there. I mean, I've really had some financially starved times. We talked to a financial psychologist who told me that I have like poor person thinking, which is like you never have money. So you don't think it's weird to not have money. For, or, but like it yeah. is stressful to you. But it's not like rich people are like you always have something saved. You always have money. And poor people are like might as well spend it because you never have a savings. Well, uh, okay, well, full full uh, disclosure right now, like, I actually, like, starting at noon today, I had a complete panic attack coming up to coming here because I was really self-conscious thinking that at first, I mean, when, when I even got the email to do this, I was like, why do they want to talk to me about money? What do they know about me with money? They know I'm bad with money. I'm going to be judged. Everyone knows I'm bad, and that's why, like... That's I think- how I feel. That's why I'm doing this show, okay. Molly. <laughs> well, this is the thing, is that it's Ex- money is so emotional, mm-hmm. and, like, when I was writing on Two Broke Girls, like, probably to the point that it was a detriment, like, I knew I was working with millionaires, and I knew that I had $32 when I got hired. And, like, not every single person on that show was a millionaire or had been a millionaire for a long time. But for the most part, they were. And it's amazing how quickly you forget how stifling being poor is. Like, I feel like there is a morbidly obese person sitting on my rib cage 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, And I constantly, like, I'm in constant fear about what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, so what panic setting, like, what what do you mean when you say... They know I'm bad with money and they're going to judge me. (laughs) So, I mean, I just had, you know, I went from being very, very broke to making a TV writer's salary, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what I didn't realize when I was on the show is that I had always been in this, like, news world, which is (laughs) such a different pay scale. Right. Um, I didn't realize that these checks, these union checks weren't going to come forever. 
Yeah, and yeah, that I yeah. wasn't just gonna like. You know, I think I thought being on a hit sitcom that it would gonna it was gonna be really easy to just bounce from sitcom to sitcom. Uh, yeah, but w- also within the union, there's like ranks, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had gotten to like a producer level, which was like kind of a high level, and I wasn't that actually experienced. Uh, and so I think it was really hard to place me in a writer's room again, and that was a really hard reality for me. And I didn't have the savings that I should have had. I didn't even put away, like, $1,000 a week. When I left, you know, I had not that much money. I think people think TV writers are squirreling away a ton of money. Well, probably a lot of them are. How like, co- and you just didn't know? No. I mean, look, here's the thing, <laughs> is that I... Because I don't think I... I think it had never occurred to me. <laughs> I will speak to, like, my situation yeah. and just say that... Um, I was with a bunch of really talented, really tasteful, very wealthy people. And I think that I felt the need to keep up. Yeah. Which is ridiculous when I look back on that because, like, how the fuck would I ever keep up? Like, that's legacy money. That's like your grandchildren's grandchildren are taken care of. And uh, so I think I really got lost in that world, you know, like... The first thing I did when I decided to cut back was cancel my Soho House membership, which is like (laughs) such, I mean, can you kill me? But like I canceled it because I realized that it wasn't just obviously, you know, a $3,000 membership to a social club every year, but it's a state of mind. Yeah. It's like I go, I belong to the Soho House. I go to the Soho House. But also it's a state of mind in that it's like you have something more or are something more than you are, which is just a person. Yeah. And that's what that meant to me. I'm not bashing the organization. There's a lot of wealthy people that go to Zoas that are not right. thinking like that. But I went from being from living in a, you know, a one bedroom apartment without a mattress in Koreatown to having an apartment at Sunset in Doheny and, like, stumbling home from Soho's every night. Right. That's a lot for a person to take on. And, like, it's it's embarrassing in a way that, like, that for me was flying too close to the sun. Like, that's a little bit embarrassing for me. That's a very, like, low threshold for <laughs> learning shit. But at the same time, like... I had no exposure to that. That wasn't a dialogue that, like, had ever been... Right. They don't teach you. Nobody talks about it. No. Yeah. No. And so... You know, I think that I'm honest about it partially because I have to be because, Mm -hmm. like, my life has changed a lot. I think people think if you have any sort of visibility, you must be wealthy. Like, oh, I've heard of malls, so she's doing fine. Probably. Or, I mean, I was also very, very vocal about being very, very poor for many years. I was very vocal about that. Why? Because I couldn't hide it. I was a personal blogger for a really long time. That's how people know me from that world and... I wrote about what I was dealing with, and mm-hmm. a lot of it was, like, scraping together change to go buy a bag of baby carrots. Because did people that was... condescend to you, or did people—was it? did it turn people off? No. I mean, I think that I still, to this day, when I was—because I, <laughs> this is who I am, I was, like, snapping about my panic attack. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> someone wrote to me and was like— you know, I've been following you since, like, 2008, girl, and, like, I've watched your whole journey, and, like, there's no way that you're doing this podcast because they want to make fun of you. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, that, that's some perspective. Like, yeah, you yeah, followed yeah. me since I was in this Koreatown apartment, and while I have looked at certain areas of my life as, like, some huge step back, in reality, I've done okay. I'm okay. 
So when you write something, do you assign or do you think of like the monetary value of it? Or do you think of like, like if someone comes to you and gives you a number that's too low for it, are you sort of like at a place where you can go, well, no, that's not. Let's be super clear. (laughs) Uh, I have only sold one pilot, a scripted pilot before I wrote it. I sold it on a pitch with a writing partner, my friend Todd Greenwald, who yeah. created Wizards of Waverly Place. And I'm not going to lie. I think his presence really helps. <laughs> um, I sold a unscripted show to MTV when I was 24. Uh, that was going to be called The Mall's Half Hour Party Hour. Um, How was that? Non-existent. <laughs> Completely non-existent. We've like, also had a running theme on this show about Viacom being the worst. I mean... Literally, Viacom, love you guys. I can't, I no comment. But yeah. I will say that now that I look back on it, thank God it didn't happen. Oh, I had like a, a thing I was supposed to write a book when I was like 22. And mm-hmm. I was like, thank God that that book isn't in stores because I would have to go and burn every copy. Like I would have to, <laughs> like it would be, I can't even like the website it's based on. I can't even look at it. Cause what people website go, was it? I did this website called 100 Interviews. Okay. And it was like, I was interviewed 100 people in a year was basically the, it was like a journalism site, but it was a lot of like diary and like personal essay. And I wrote a lot about my boyfriend and I wrote a lot about like whatever. And now I have more visibility because of my YouTube channel. And so people will go back and read that website. And it's like, they're reading my diary from when I'm 22. And I'm like, gross, gross, stop. Oh my God. No, don't read it. I did an ebook for a thought catalog when I was like, broke. So did I. Two years ago. And it's basically exactly what you just said. It was like very diary entry, very much about my ex, like right. very like now that I look back on it, I'm like, you are such a mentally ill person. And like, <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that A, I did it for five grand because I needed the five grand. Right. And B, um, you know, I'm very relieved that you have to own some sort of tablet or an iPhone and want to pay four ninety nine for it. Like, right. there's an additional hurdle to kind of get to my <laughs> lunacy. Um, but yeah, I no, did an ebook for Thought Catalog too, and I and then it's funny because people still buy it, and I'm like, you're not supporting me. I don't see any of that money. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, tr- I mean, trust. Like, I'm so I was so delusional. I'm like, where are my uh, where are my residual checks? And they're like, um, there oh, are no residual checks. Yeah, honey. we we played you a. F- flat fee for something that you should be seeing a lot more money for buy and you're like okay great no i mean i'm just you know what i charge that to the game like that's just one of my (laughs) mistakes like that's fine you know it's okay i I would like that i charge that to the game i mean it's fine um one thing that we've talked about on the podcast too is that people are more likely to talk about almost any topic except for money (laughs) and so on your podcast please advise yeah a lot of the callers are talking about very personal topics like sex and relationships and all that yeah um do you think that it's harder for people to talk about money than it is to like call into a show and talk about like their dick um we've had uh some calls about money when the calls come in about money and jobs and stuff like that, I'm very cut and dry with these people. Like, there's no way around it. You have to fucking work. Like, yeah. get your ass out there. Sorry you, like, came out of the wrong vagina. Like, you have to work. What are their questions? Their questions are, like, easy. They want easy fixes. Yeah, they want like, oh, I've been in L.A. and I've lost three jobs. And, like, I don't know why. Like, that was one that I was just like, well, you are a bad worker. <laughs> and you're looking at the – you're applying to the wrong jobs. Like, you shouldn't be doing those jobs. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, people just being frustrated that they're poor. And, like, I mean, I'm kind of the wrong person to cry to about that. So I, like, just because no one fucking helped me. Right. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, I've been working since I was 12 years old. Where were you working? At 12? Yeah. A farm. 
Nice. <laughs> a little farm stand. Uh, and I worked there till I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, had to quit for swim team. And then <laughs> after that, I just, like, I couldn't go back to the farm. Uh, so I went, like, off swim season. My first job was at a hair salon. And I oh. worked there. And then after that, I wanted to, after I had to quit the salon for swim season the next year. And instead of going back, I decided to go to Bertucci's. I don't know if you're from oh, the I, East Yes, Coast, yes, yes. But, like, Bertucci's was kind of like... I went like, to Emerson. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I know Bertucci's. Bertucci's was kind of like a swinging place to work in high school. So then I worked there till I, I went to college. But, like, I had rich friends when I was really poor. And... No one ever said, like, hey, poor girl, I know you're struggling. Here's $100. Like, no one ever said that to right. me. Um, and as someone who is perceived to have money now, especially more money than I did have, especially to people like pe- my friends from back home and stuff like that. Oh, that's the big one. Is they're like, well, we see you all over the social media, so you're doing great. Right. And, like, when these people come to me with real-world problems that it's like, to be honest, it could be fixed by throwing a couple hundred dollars at it. Mm-hmm. I want to fix it for them, but I can't because I realize no one did that for me. No one, like lent me $40 to get my bank account back in the green. Like, no one, you know, like, that's... Yeah, a big thing on this show I've talked about before is that I... My little sister lives out here and that I struggled a lot and had a lot of really, really, really bad times with money. And then she had a rough time, like, a a couple months ago and I gave her, like, a lot of money. Yeah. And that's been a divisive topic where, like, my boyfriend was like, you should not have done... And he loves her, but he was like, no, you should not have done that because it teaches her that she can just come to you. And I was like, what am I supposed to not give it to her? Do you but, expect like, to be paid back ever? Oh, certainly not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was, that's definitely, I think, I mean, Oprah says that everyone says it. Like, you never loan money. You're giving away money. My first cousin, Fiona, like, mm-hmm. I don't lend her money because Fiona, like, needs to figure her shit out. Sorry, I Fiona. Know. What's up, girl? But so um, does my sister, and so I still did it. But my best friend, needed a computer for a job once and it was like my pleasure to buy him a computer Mm -hmm. like there's no one I believe in more and no one I think works harder and I just I love him so I would do that and um you know it took a while to get paid back but that's not a big deal and that's more of like an investment because you're like he's going to use that to do to get money yes and also I mean I don't have a brother or sister but I can imagine you might feel this way. I The way I feel about my best friend is that, like, I'm in part alive because of him. Like, yeah. we're like salt and pepper shakers. I always say we go everywhere together mm-hmm. and we look weird when we're apart. And, like, that is one of those things when you date guys, especially, they get very, like, uh, they get bummed out about that. Like, they don't want you to have someone that close to you. Right. But I always say to them, like, you have to be grateful for Ed because he is the reason why I'm here today. Like, That's what my comedy partner has a lot of mental illness stuff. And her father at one point was like, I want to help you. I want to give you money. And I was like, no, like, it's not. You shouldn't do that. And Allison, my comedy partner, was like, oh, but you don't understand, like, consider it a stipend for being my friend. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm a nightmare person. And so, like, he's just thankful that you haven't like that. You've been my best friend for all these years and you haven't left me like at, at all. You should be compensated for that. Absolutely. And I think my mom would do that for Ed. And I think Ed's dad would do that for me. Ed's dad is so cute. He's like, I know Molly is socially anxious. So if she ever needs someone to talk to. She can talk to me. Oh, <laughs> it's the cutest thing in the world. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah. Do you remember 
thinking about money at all when you were a kid or like about the expectation of how much money you would have as an adult? Um, I just knew I was going to be rich. Like, Oh, you knew I that? I was very like, when I was like two years old, I was like, I am going to go someday to the place where people make television and I'm going to live there. I've always known that, which is why I try to be very careful about my thoughts because a lot of times they come true. And uh, so, I, you know, I have two really big fears, uh, going to prison and being homeless. Yeah. Those are probably my two biggest fears and, like, the things that I have to stop myself from thinking about the most. Yeah. I always wonder if... Because I also sort of had that, like, well, I'm special, so. And I always wonder if the people that succeed or you have to kind of have that sort of, like, yes, I know that I will be making money in the future. I think we're a brand. Like, I think we're a brand (laughs) of person. Do you know what I mean? I think that there's definitely lots of different types of people. There's, you know, people that worked really fucking hard to get into a good college and did it that way. There's people that had probably better parents there's Mm -hmm. people that had like you know what i mean it's i i will say that my mom married into uh my mom married a very wealthy guy when i was 20 Mm -hmm. but i was 20 so it didn't affect me yeah Uh, my grandparents had money but they didn't give my mom money because she got pregnant at 21 and it was her job to figure that shit out yeah my grandparents are like that too they have money but a lot of times they go well it's not that's not what we do. We don't get you don't just get it. To yeah, just get it. That's why Gilmore Girls really fucked me up. Because <laughs> I was like, it's like that, but it's not like that. So I don't appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my grandmother's always bargained with us. Like my sister could go to Paris, but it was because but but she had to learn French and she had to come back fluent in Thank French. Thank you. Yeah. Or like that's stuff the, like that, like a bartering. That's the world that I'm from. For yeah. Sure. How much? Um. Was money part of the thought process when you were putting together Hello Giggles? I mean, we had none. Yeah. Uh, So I think some people would assume that when you do a project with a celebrity that they're just going to fund it. Everyone thinks that. Yeah. And Zoe didn't put in any more money than the other two of us did. Uh, In fact, none of us put in any of our own money. We sold a campaign uh, to Teleflora before Mm -hmm. we started and um, we pooled our earnings from that and used that to hire a designer and a programmer. And, um, you know, at first we couldn't afford to pay any of our writers, so we didn't. It also, like, you know, there's a lot of websites that have free con- contributors. And mm-hmm. I pooled from my group of girlfriends that I knew were going to love the exposure of Hello Giggles and yeah. also have a fresh opportunity to kind of hit a restart button. Like Marissa Ross, for example, she's now like the wine editor at Bon Appetit, but she started writing about wine on Hello Giggles because that had been a real passion for her. You know, she'd been writing about it on her blog and everything like that, but she really wanted a place to kind of formally say, hi, I want to talk about wine. Yeah. And now she's turned it into an entire career. That's definitely not because of Hello Giggles, but it is in part because our website needed to have girls... uh expressing new thoughts and yeah, finding yeah. new brands within the brand. And were you like is were you thinking like okay, we put this much money in, is this sustainable or what's the like business? You know, I wasn't really the business part of it. Yeah. I definitely It's hard to be both the creative and the business I've found from talking to people. Yeah, and and I have become more and more conscious of the fact that it's like unchic <laughs> at this point as a creative person to just be like I don't understand money, I don't get it. I mean, I no, I don't pay my bills. I don't write checks. I don't I don't do I don't do that. I haven't opened up a piece of mail in nine years. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I would pay my electric bill when it when my electricity got shut off. 
I mean, I really don't open paper mail. I'm upset by it. I don't like it. Me too. It sits in stacks around my house. And so I guess because I think if I don't open it, um, I won't have to deal with what's inside of it. Completely. Oh my god. Completely. Like I never want to see my bank statement. I Just have no interest. Stop sending it to me, Bank of America. I don't care. The way I get financial information is when I'm overspending, and I get an email from one of my accountants being like, "You're out of control. You're a monster." <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. So, do you remember um, when the deal with Time went through for Hello Giggles? Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> were you? No, like the exact moment, like what you were yes, thinking, like I in the moment. I the ex- exact moment. What of, were you thinking? Well, I, um, you know, I, t- I stepped away from uh, Hello Giggles uh, about three years in. Um, I decided to become a silent partner just because I had been focusing on a show and a website mm-hmm. 24-7 for three years, and I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to take a step away. And so in doing that, I basically did not know what was going on with my company day to day. Because right. I, I'm like, that is another area where I'm a little bit... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking... I don't ever write a script because I think I'm going to sell it, to be honest. And I don't start a website because I think I'm going to sell it. Right. But however... My well, agents, I mean, my yeah. agents know they're going to sell it, and Sophia <laughs> knew she was going to sell the website. So I had just come back from a walk around the reservoir with my best friend Ed, and we were in his apartment. And I got an email from the CFO of Hello Giggles saying, "Like, can you get on the phone?" And I was like, "Okay," which was fucking weird because like right. we had never had a phone conversation in the last th- like three, four, no, two years, I guess, and uh. Yeah, she just was like, hi, okay, so I want to tell you that it looks like Hello Giggles is going to be sold. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, she's like, we're we're going to sell. And she said, you know, you're looking at blank. And she gave me what I was going to make. And, um, like, I mean, she said, you're going to get money in 30 days, <laughs> basically. Um, and you were like, I'm sorry, what? I mean, it changed my life. Like, right. I'm actually shaking thinking about it. It changed my life. Like, it... Um, oh, my God, I'm going to, like, cry. It totally changed my life. No, but know? I think everyone think everyone wants that, or everyone thinks that there's going to be some, like, magical windfall, I think. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, so, you know, but with that, immediately the next thought was, like, it's all going to go away. And, How? Um... It was so crazy. Like, I went on a date with this guy um, that I hadn't seen in, like, three years. We had dated uh, briefly, like, three years ago. And we went on a date, and he knew me when I was leaving Hello Giggles. And so I told him, like, you know, this the website just sold. Like, I can't believe it. And I had been keeping it really hush-hush because, one, the deal wasn't done. And, two, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. If it fell through, it would have been humiliating. Right. Like, and he told me on this date, he was like, yeah, so I told my friend um, about your website selling. And he was like, yeah, that girl, he's like, you know, she's one of the weirdest people I follow on Twitter. I don't know why I follow her. She's so weird. I mean, that's great about the money, but let's see how long that lasts. What? Why? And it was like. Because he thought you were irresponsible? I don't know, because he's a fucking asshole. Like, I don't know why. Like, and I literally do not... And what I don't 
know why even more was why that was repeated to me. Right. Um, because it's such a dick thing to say. I'm like, why are you repeating secondhand, like, the douchiest thing to say to me right now? Um, but I felt, all of a sudden, my personal fear, I realized, existed outside of me and other people's brains, too. Oh, oh. And it really, like, that was a really sad scary moment because my me. whole my whole thing is the shame of like other people think i'm foolish other people think i'm stupid like yeah I, when, especially when it comes to money i'm like oh great everyone out like i wrote this article for fusion about making money on youtube and how i'm not making as much money on youtube and all i got were condescending emails particularly from men being like well if i was you this is what i would do yeah and you're a dum-dum and here's how you do this and blah blah, blah. and i was like like everyone thinks i'm dumb yeah, and that was like the biggest. It's really hard, especially if you have any sort of pre-existing shame about either A, your intelligence or B, your financial situation. Both. Just both. Um, and it's I mean, it goes so deep. Money is so it's so emotional. Like you said, it's the most emotional thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of like it changing your life, were you like, OK, I have to save all of this. I have to. Well, I have a guy at Morgan Stanley. That was like the first thing I did when I got my money. I hired someone from Morgan Stanley to manage my shit. My money is in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I like it. <laughs> I worry um, all the time. Like I, we have projects coming up and I'm like, oh, God, if I, what, do, what do I do? Do I bury it in my backyard? Like, do I just <laughs> like put it right. in the mattress? Like, what do I do with it? You hire someone to help you. Right. And like and, and it's really, really great because what they did for me was they took almost all of my money and put it someplace where I can't ever touch it. So right now, I mean, I'm actually like, I'm always on my hustle. So I'm like, I'm trying to like, get all these new projects up. I have this pilot that it's like I'm handing in the third draft and like, I'm about to find out what happens with it. I've had my podcasts going on for like two years now. And we just started selling ads and I'm actually like pleasantly surprised and so it was nice because as I'm kind of dwindling down at the end of my cash these podcast checks have come in which I'm very thankful for yeah and then uh that's gonna get me through the next dry spell who knows maybe a two broke girls residual will come in by the way I have that that was the other thing is that two broke girls had just gone into syndication in September um that does not mean that you start getting huge checks right away in fact a lot of them are those classic like Like 25 cent checks (laughs) classic right um yeah those started to come in a little bit more, so it would be like a thousand bucks here, a thousand bucks there. And like that's all I really need to breathe. Like right. I've seen my rent paid. I am fine having like seventy dollars for a month. <laughs> like yeah. that's fine. I've done that. So um the biggest concern is that I smoke cigarettes. Like that is oh. really it's hard to it's hard to maintain that habit. Um yeah. addiction, actually, not habit. <laughs> Total I've, addiction. I've had people because I've lived exactly the way that you're talking about, yeah. like thinking that there's checks coming in or being pleasantly surprised by money that you didn't know you had or anything like that. And that's been my like whole life. And then I've had people who grew up wealthy or people who are used to wealthy thinking be like, if I had $70 in my bank account, all I would think about is how to like, I would need to get a job. I would only care about not having $70 in my bank account. And I was like, okay, but if that's how you've always lived, then that's very normalized. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I can fix it, but Here's I can an- also stretch stretch $70. Right. I mean, it, yes. And like, there have been times where I've like really, really kicked myself about the fact that I don't have a trade. Like, yeah. I can't 
do nails. I can't right. bake you a fucking pie. Like, I can't do anything. Yeah. Um, so I have really kicked myself for not having a trade, and I really wish I had done that, um, but I didn't. When the Hello Giggle sale happened and you and you didn't have a lot of money in the bank account, what were you thinking or what was your plan to fix that? Uh, I don't have a plan. I My plan is always the same. And this is something, another thing that I've picked up on people saying about me. People are always like, Molly, you're fine. You're a hustler. You're going to be fine. Yeah. And I hate that about myself. In fact, like, I've cried about it. Like, because... Part of me just wants to be, like, a nice girl. Like, I don't want to be, like, you know, like, a shark that's, like, uh, I don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be, like, kicking up stones for coins all the time. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that, like, I know how to make a dollar come out of nowhere. I hate that about myself. Like, I wish I could make it go away because it's, like, you know, in a way, like, compromise the way I live my whole life. Oh, my God. Money is so emotional. I it's incredibly emotional. No, yeah, I, I totally hate you. Why is no. wrong with you? <laughs> because I cry all the time about it. So no, I brought I people here no, to cry right. this is for me. Thing. This is a very good thing. This is a very, very, very good thing that you're doing. Thank it's you. good that people talk about this stuff because everyone's thinking about it all the time. How can you not, you know? My money situation is changing, so it's a very interesting time for me to have this podcast. I'm going from a certain economic bracket to another economic bracket. And Molly and I talked a lot about being a hustler and how even when she changed economic brackets, she was still a hustler and she was still a person who always tried to make money appear out of thin air. And I wonder if that is similar to Dr. Brad Klontz's poor person thinking. And can you ever really escape poor person thinking once you have it? Can you get rich person thinking if you have rich person thinking from previously having poor person thinking? Can you relapse into poor person thinking? Is it something that you're trying to run from? And yes, when I say that, it sounds like poor person thinking and rich person thinking are afflictions and that we're looking for cures and that maybe one day we'll go into money remission. (laughs) Can money fundamentally change your emotional reality? I don't know that it can. So am I just going to still be me, but with more money? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a thing you have to know. And, you know, as Molly said, charge it to the game. (laughs) But, like, emotionally. Like, charge it to the game emotionally. Thank you for listening to Bad With Money. If you like the show, please rate us in iTunes, subscribe, and tell all your friends who are also bad with money. Also, feel free to tell all your friends who you assume are good with money, but are actually giant balls of anxiety like the rest of us because nobody has anything figured out. Thanks to our guest, Molly McClear. Check out her podcast, Please Advise. Bad With Money is part of the Panoply Network. Our producer is Sam Dingman. Laura Mayer is Panoply's director of production. And Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. Original music for our show was composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Our show art is by Cameron Glavin. And I, as always, am Gabby Dunn, and I will talk to you uh, next time.